0: Second Timothy chapter three. That sixth verse reads, "For of this sort are they which creep into houses, and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers lusts." Listen to what it says: "For of this sort are they which creep." into houses and lead captive silly women. I want to talk about creeps and silly women. Now of course in the midst of a series on the family, we must deal with singles because Much of the devotion that is experienced in marriage come as a result of the right decisions made while they were single. And at the same time, much of the division in marriage is a result of bad decisions while they were single. So we got to deal with singles, got to deal with singles. And so initially when I looked at this passage of scripture, I thought that's what the apostle Paul was doing as he was writing to this young pastor by the name of Timothy. I thought he was trying to get Timothy to get the single people straight. Because God wants singles who are single, saved, and satisfied. So I thought what he was doing, I thought he was telling Timothy, now now get the singles straight. Tell them to stop living promiscuous lifestyles. I thought what was going on in this passage of scripture, I thought this was for singles. That, that the admonishment is here to tell single men to stop creeping. And to tell single women, warn single women to stop being silly. That's what I thought was going on until I read the passage more closely. And I discovered that he says, this is what he says, they creep into houses. Now that house, those houses there could be a house where somebody lives or it could be a household so if it is a household, he is not just dealing with singles. If it's a household, these folk have a family. So he is indicating that there are also some married creeps. And there are also some women who are married that are silly. And so, so since, it has, since being a creep and being silly have nothing to do with marital status, then what constitutes a creep? What what are the characteristics of creeps? Characteristics of creeps. Well, verse 6 says, of this sort. Of what sort? Well, that means we got to look back and see what came before verse 6 so we can know of what sort make up creeps. What are the characteristics? Well, he deals with 18 characteristics between verse 2 and verse 5 that tell what a creep is like. Matter of fact, in verse 1, he says that's why we're living in perilous times right now because of these 18 characteristics. And of course, I don't have time to go through all 18 of them, but in verse 2 and 3, and 4 there's a lot of love in there if you look in verse 2 3 and 4 it talks about love and lovers it's a lot of love in verses 2 through 4 but the problem is the love is directed in the wrong way you don't believe me listen to what it says in verse 2 lovers of their own selves and that word covetous Actually could be translated lovers of money. In verse 3. Without natural affection. A better translation is without family love. Verse 3. Despisers of those that are good. It is not loving those that are good. Verse 4. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So there's a lot of love going on. But the love is perverted love. It is misdirected love. There is no love of God. There is no love of others. It is only a love of self, a love of stuff, and a love of that which is sensual. So a creep is one who has misdirected love. Somebody say, well, what's wrong with loving self? Well, any love of self that is not expressed in the love of others is misdirected love. And misdirected love is lust. And then you talk about the love of money. Paul has already said that is the root of all evil. And if you run into somebody that doesn't love things that are good, they don't love God. And if you find somebody who loves pleasure more than they love God, that person will do anything because they have erected pleasure as the center of their worship. Anybody who gets caught up in hedonism or materialism, hedonism, the love of pleasure, materialism, the love of things, that person will do anything. As long as I can get pleasure out of it. As long as I can get some stuff, I don't care who I tear down. I don't care what marriage I mess up. I don't care whose life I ruin. I don't care whose self-esteem I damage. I don't care. As long as they can get pleasure, as long as they can get stuff, they'll do anything. And watch this misdirected love. Because any time you run into somebody with misdirected love, the next time you see them, they'll be creeping. Characteristics of a creep, misdirected love. Not only that, verse 5 says they have a form of godliness, a fashion of godliness. They look at religion as a fashion. So they look all right on the outside. They wear religious clothes. They carry religious material. They dress with religious attire. They talk with religious talk. But Paul says they deny the power thereof, which means that everything they have is external, but they have no power internally. They got it right on the outside, but they have no power on the inside. They got the talk, but they don't have the walk. They have the words, but they don't have the work. They have the religion, but no relationship. They have the appearance but no anointing. Now look at what I'm saying. They have, look, they have a form of godliness. But they deny the power. I looked that word power up. It's out of the Greek from deutamus. The Greek word is deutamus. Where we get our word dynamite and dynamic. It's the same word used in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So what he is saying here in this passage of scripture in 2 Timothy 3 and 5, if you got some folk who dress right and talk right, but underneath the skin, they know nothing of Holy Ghost power. So they have this form of godliness. They have all the external stuff, but they know nothing of the power of God in their life. Characteristics of a creep. It says that they lead captive. That's in verse 6. They leave captive these silly women. That means their intention is deception. Now, watch what Paul says in verse 5 to do when you find a creep who has the appearance but no anointing, who has the external but no internal. Watch what he says to do with somebody when you find somebody with misdirected love. They got a lot of love, but it's all towards themselves. None up to God, none out to other people. Watch what he says to do with somebody when you find out they are deceptive. Listen to what he says. From such, turn away. Characteristics of a creep. Now watch this. Now let's look at the conduct of a creep. You know what a creep does? He creeps. Creep into how? Now, now I looked that word creep up because one of the things I have learned in preaching, you got to use the right tools to get the right interpretation of scripture. You have to do word studies. Whenever you teach it or preaching. you got to do word studies because words change meanings through the years. See, this passage of scripture was written in the first century. And this is the King James Version I'm using that was translated from the Greek out of the first century to English in 1611. That's the 17th century. It was translated Crete. And words change meanings through history. Now we're living in the 20th century. And I did not want to make the mistake of using a 20th century contemporary definition of something Paul did not mean in the first century. I wanted to know not what is meant by that word today as we look it up in our English dictionary, but what was meant in the first century when Paul wrote it. So I looked up this word creep, and you know what? The creep in the first century looks just like the creep in the 20th century. Creep. Then and now means to slip in, to sneak in. It means, I like this one definition I ran across, to worm your way in. And whatever a creep does, he worms his way in. And, and what, what, what amazed me is, since a first century creep looks like a 20th century creep, after 2,000 years, it looks like women would have caught on by now. What does a creep do? He creeps. He sneaks. Look at what he does. Creeps into houses. I wonder why he didn't just walk up to the house. Why are you slipping in? Why are you worming your... Why don't you just walk up to the house, knock on the door and go in? Why creep in? That's because of verse 5, a form of godliness. They don't want to mess up the appearance. They want people to really think they live in verse 5, but actually they live in verse 6. Because if they, if they just walk up to the door, they may still have on their church clothes. It messes up their appearance because you got to understand the kind of house they go into. Creeps, you're talking about the conduct of a creep. They don't just go in any house. They don't just go in every house they see. No. They, they, don't, they, they go into silly women's houses. Because anytime you want some crazy things done to you, you can't go to a sound woman's house. They, they creep, and, and, and I should have said this earlier, I should have said this earlier. All men are not creeps and all women are not silly. <laughs> creeps don't go into every house. They are selective in the households they go in. They don't go into sound women's house. You, you know why they don't go into a sound woman's house? Because a sound woman will not stick around with a creep long enough to let him in her house. Because she's going to listen to verse 5, of such, turn away. She's not going to be so silly to think that if I stick with him, maybe he'll change. If I let him in my house, maybe that, no, no. She's going, she'll never stick around a creep long enough to let him in the house. You want to know why a creep won't go into a sound woman's house? Because it's not laden with sins. There's no diver's lust in a sound woman's house. And even if he did go in, he wouldn't stay long. Because he cannot find in a sound woman's house what he can get out of a silly woman's house. Have I got a witness in here? Well, 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 well maybe, maybe y'all don't know what silly means. Y'all know I had to look up silly. Do my word studies. And I discovered what many of us call sexy. The Bible says it's silly. What many of us call seductive. The Bible says it's silly. What, what many of us call sensuous and sensational. The Bible says it's silly. Silly, silly, silly. Silly means one, one definition said little. They're going to little women's houses. Weak. Feeble-minded. One one commentator said that 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 a silly woman is a woman who is foolish in the head and filthy in her heart. No wonder a creep comes in. Silly one. You know what a silly woman is? Let me let me show you what this text says about silly women. And then we can decide for ourselves whether or not we are silly. A silly woman is one who, who lets a man control her mind. I'm in verse 6. For of this sort or they which creep into houses, and look, and led captive, silly women. They, they let this man captivate their mind. It's silly to let a man control your mind. You can't even eat. He's all on your mind. Can't even go to work, knowing you have obligations, knowing you got bills, knowing you got things you're trying to accomplish. Can't even go to work. He's on your mind. Can't even go to school. God gave you a wonderful mind, a wonderful opportunity. Can't even concentrate. Can't even do the work because he's got your mind. Broke up three years ago. Can't even relate to another man. Y'all do know that's silly. He's got your mind. Don't even come to church the way you used to come to church. Don't participate in the things of God the way you used to. Don't even give the way you used to give. Don't show up the way you used to show up. Because he's got your mind. Your mind used to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now you let this man, That is silly. To let anybody control your mind other than the Holy Spirit is silly. That ain't all either. Not only does a silly woman let a man control her mind, but a silly woman is laden with sin. Laden with sin. That's what it says in verse 6. Laden with sin. It's overweighed with sin. Matter of fact, that, that, he goes into a house of a woman that's already weighed down. Somebody said, Well, Pastor, I, I want him to get out. I'm, I'm tired of it. I don't want him. get up. Because the moment you get up, he will get out. Because he is not going, a creep will not stick around at a sound woman's house. Get up. Laden with sin. Overwhelmed with sin. Laden with sin means overburdened with sin. And that could, that could mean one of two things. One of two things. Overwhelmed overburdened with sin. I mean one or two. It could mean that you're trying to carry sin yourself. Those are the kind of people who say, as soon as I get myself together, I'm going to give myself to the Lord. As soon as I get this stuff off of me, I'm coming. As soon as I straighten my life out, then I'm going to come to Jesus. It's silly for you to try to carry your own sin. Sin is too heavy for you to pick up and get out of your house. Sin is too heavy for you to carry that burden and to try to handle it yourself. And it doesn't make any sense... Let me y'all heard of, y'all heard about that little seven-year-old girl that was trying to fly pilot a plane. Her father wanted her out in Wyoming. Her father wanted her to, to be the youngest child to ever fly a certain distance and all that kind of stuff. Her name was Jessica. And and minutes after the plane took off, minutes after it took off, the plane fell. It crashed. Killed the little girl, killed her father, killed the instructor. So they had to do this investigation because they were trying to figure out the cause of the crash. Why did the plane crash? So the first thing they wanted to consider was, was it human error? They didn't know who was flying the plane. They didn't know if the little girl was flying it or if her father was flying it or if the instructor was flying it. They didn't know. Well, they decided the human error was not the reason for the crash. And so then they, they wanted to check and see if it was mechanical failure. Maybe there was a problem with the plane, the reason why the plane crashed and discovered mechanical failure was not the reason for the crash. You wanna know why that plane crashed? Minutes after it took off, minutes later, it came down. Crash. Killed everybody on the plane. They said the reason for the crash was because the plane was overloaded. It was too heavy. It took off, but it couldn't fly. It came crashing down. You wanna know why a lot of women's lives crash? some never take off and others when they take off it seems like you're gonna make it and the next thing you know you come crashing right back down that's because you're overloaded you got too much weight on you i ain't talking about being fat i'm talking about carrying too much sin on you (laughs) overburden the text says laden with sin you can't get out of sin yourself don't you know that the Bible? listen to what the bible says some some women just silly laden with all that sin, trying to handle sin yourself. And Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If you want to get rid of sin, you're going to hook up with Jesus Christ because can't nothing wash away your sin except the blood of Jesus. Silly, silly, silly. Overburdened, weighed down with sin. Maybe it's not trying to carry sin. Maybe it is the guilt of sin. Laden with sin. Maybe it is the guilt. Guilt is a heavy burden. You ever done something you shouldn't have done? I just want to talk to some honest people who will be honest. with. Have have you ever gone someplace you shouldn't have gone? You ever treated somebody in some way you shouldn't have treated? You ever said something to somebody you shouldn't have said? Then you, you want to forget about it, but the guilt... You've done something you're ashamed of. You shouldn't have done it. Guilt is heavy. Can't even relate the way you should relate. Don't even live the way you... because of the guilt of sin. It's a burden. But don't you know what guilt is for? God gives us guilt. Because if he didn't give us guilt, we'd just run around dogging each other all the time. So he gives us guilt. guilt is designed to bring a person to repentance. But now once you have repented, and you've received the forgiveness of God for what you've done, any guilt out after that is not of God. Maurice Watson calls that illegitimate guilt. That once God has forgiven you of a sin and you still feel guilty, that guilt is not from God. That is the devil trying to weigh you down so that you let creeps in your house and do stuff you don't have any business doing. Don't you know that once God forgives you, you are forgiven? It's silly to walk around feeling guilty over stuff God already forgave you for. you do know he'll forgive you. Why are you feeling guilty? He's already, matter of fact, in the Bible it says when God forgives you, he places your sin in a bag and then he sews up the bag. The Bible said when God forgives you, he takes your sin and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to rise against you in this world nor in the world to come. The Bible says when God forgives you of your sin, he casts your sin behind his back. I looked at that. The Bible says he casts your sin behind his back. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit. He doesn't have a back. He's a spirit. So what he's done with your sin when you repent, he takes your sin and he casts them behind that which is not there which means that your sins are not there either. Hebrews 10 and 17 says he will remember your sin no more. Now, if God has forgotten about your sin, why do you keep remembering your sin? Is he forgiven you, stop being silly. Matter of fact, Psalm 103 says he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. I like that. I like that. I like that. Notice he doesn't take your sin and cast them as far as the north is from the south. Because you can start off heading north, and if you head north long enough, you end up going south. You can start off heading south. Head south long enough, you end up going north. He didn't cast your sin as far as the north is from the south, but as far as the east is from the west. Because you can start off heading east and walk all around the world, and you'll never see west unless you turn around. Pastor, what are you talking about? I mean, when God forgives me of my sin, he casts it as far as the east is from the west so that I don't ever have to see those sins again unless I turn around. And I don't know about you, but I've come too far to turn around now. And then Peter says he has taken our sins out on a hill called Calvary, and he's nailed our sins to the cross. It's silly of you to feel guilty when God has already forgiven you. You want to know what a silly woman does? Let's a man control her mind. She's laden with sins, but also a silly woman has a lot of lust. Still in verse 6. It says divers lust, Divers. Different lusts. Another translation said various impulses. I wonder why I didn't put... put Which lust? What specific lust go on in this house? I'm glad they didn't put the specific lust because somebody said, well, that's not my house. Because now whatever your lust is, I wish I had somebody listening to me, maybe the same lust going on in this house. Diverse lust. Various lusts. A lot of sexual sordid sins go on in a silly woman's house. And I looked at this again last night, and the Spirit said, Jeffrey Johnson, that's why the creep is there in the first place. He is not there for the woman. He is there for the sin and the lust. See, because some silly woman right now listening to me saying, well, he loves me, that's why he's here. He has a lot of love, but it's misdirected love. And misdirected love is lust, and lust has a way of finding lust. And you think he's there for you? You think that creep is in that house for you? If any woman is in that house, he'd be in that house. He's not there for the woman. He's not there for the the person. He's there for the perversion. He's there for the lust. No, pastor, you don't understand. He loves me. He snuck in. He slipped in. Couldn't even walk up to the door and treat you like a human being and respect you as a woman. He wormed his way in. He was deceitful in getting in. No, pastor, he's there for me, all right? All right, I'm just talking to silly women. right? I'm not talking to everybody right now. I just want to talk to some silly women right now. You think he's there for you. Let's see. You get rid of the latent sin. And you get rid of the various lusts. And if he stays, he's there for you. But if he leaves with the sin and the lust, then you know he'll go to any woman's house. Silly woman. You know how I know she's silly? Verse verse 7 says she's learning, but she never comes into the knowledge of the truth. She's always learning. She's at church every Sunday. She's learning. She's at every Bible study, every Sunday school. She's learning. She's showing up for workshops and seminars. She got a big old Bible and all the books that are out on singles and couples. And she's ever learning. She goes to every workshop she's learning. She's been watching Oprah and Phil and Montel and Ricky Lake. She's learning. Jenny Jones, Jerry Springer. She's ever learning. Her friends give her all kind of advice. This is what you should do, girl. If I was you, I'd do this. Ever learning. She's always learning. She's been to every psychologist in town. She's spoken with every psychiatrist. She's made appointment after appointment to speak to the church counselor and the pastor of her church. She's ever learning. But she's never coming to the knowledge of the truth. She doesn't even recognize the truth. She's silly. She hears so much. She's even heard the truth, but she doesn't recognize it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He said, there are a lot of voices out there, but my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. Another they will not follow. We have to learn how to recognize the truth. Stop being silly. Well, let's look, at, let's look at the consequences of creeping. Let's look at the consequences. Of, what happens when you start creeping? Because somebody said, I'm, I'm grown. I do what I want to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. I'm grown. Do what you want to do, but I'm going to let you know the consequences of creeping. Slipping and sliding and sneaking and worming your way into relationships and families and women's houses laden with sin and love. I want to show you the consequence of it. Notice one of the consequences. It speaks of the men creeping in, but it never mentions their coming out. It speaks of their entrance, but it never mentioned their exit. There are some things you get in, it's hard to get out. Ask any drug addict, ask any alcoholic, ask any person addicted to sex. Some stuff you get in. But it's hard to get. Well, Pastor, you know they didn't stay in that house. No, they didn't stay in there physically. But when they left, where were they psychologically? Where were they emotionally? Where were they morally? It was easy to get in, but it's so hard to get out. James said it like this, that we are tempted when we are enticed by our own lusts. And then when lust gets through with it, there is sin. And when sin is finished, there is death. James says it's easy to get in, but it's hard to get out. That's one of the consequences. Another consequence, in verse number 8, it says, men of corrupt minds. It messes with your mind. When you start creeping, matter of fact, Romans, Romans says you suppress the truth. You start calling the truth of God a lie. It messes with your mind. You start calling truth lies and lies truth. You start calling right wrong and wrong right. It messes with your mind. You start thinking that good is evil and that evil is good. It messes with your mind. Matter of fact, the Bible says that in Romans 1, he will turn you over to a reprobate mind. He turned them over to their own vile affections. He let them have what they thought they wanted. Mess with their mind. Paul says you start glorying in what you ought to be ashamed of. Start boasting about what you ought to be ashamed of. Boasting about how many women you slept with. You ought to be ashamed of that. Boasting about fornication. You ought to be ashamed of that. Boasting about adulterous affairs. You ought to be ashamed of that. Boasting about homosexual activity. You ought to be ashamed of that. But it messes with your mind and you start boasting about stuff you ought to be ashamed of. That ain't all it does either because it says reprobate. That's how it closes in verse 8. When you start creeping, you become a reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate, what does that mean? Another translation says worthless. Worthless to the faith. God can't even, how can God use you? He can't trust you with his women, he can't trust you with his daughters. Reprobate, worthless concerning the faith. How can you direct the choir when you're trying to sleep with the choir members? How can you teach the class when you're trying to creep into your students' houses at night? How can you pastor the church when you're trying to run with every woman in there? He can't even trust you with his own daughters. You are worthless concerning the faith. He wants to use you. You wouldn't trust that kind of man with your daughter. <laughs> Worthless concerning the faith. That ain't all. That ain't all either. I'm trying to let somebody know the consequences of this thing. Verse 9 says, but they'll proceed no further. Evidently, Timothy was worried about these kind of people. Said, Paul, look like they're getting higher and higher and doing more and more. And Paul said, don't worry, God's put a limit on their life. See, they they have damaged their destiny. They have forfeited their future. Timothy, they need to understand, God is only going to let them go so high. And they'll sit back wondering, why didn't I get the promotion? Why didn't I get that opportunity? Why didn't I get that chance? Why did things shut down on me? Because God said they'll proceed no further. They have forfeited their future. God has had something for you, but now you've lost it for all the creeping. The sneaking, the worm in your way in. Don't you know sin is is damaging? Sin is devastating. Sin is destructive. Sin will almost let you get there, then cut you down. Sin has taken great men and women and dwindled them down to nothing because Paul says they'll go no further. There is a limit on their life. You want to know the consequences of creeping? You say you're going to do what you want to do? You grown, you big, and you bad? You know what it says in that same verse? It says in verse number 9 that it's going to be manifest. It's going to be manifest. That means it's going to be revealed. All of that form and fashion in verse number five, all that hiding, the external appearance, the outward show of godliness, all that stuff, all that's going on between verse five and verse nine is going to be manifest, shown, revealed. Can you imagine your brothers and sisters in Christ finding out what you're really like? It's going to be manifest, it's going to be shown, it's going to be revealed. Can you imagine your other choir members really knowing what's going on? Can you imagine your church, your deacons, your preacher, your pastor? Can you imagine your husband or your wife? It's going to be manifest. Can you imagine your mother or your father finding out what's really going on? It's going to be shown. And you got to understand something. God already sees it. See, all of these secret. I already know I ain't going to get no help, but I got to preach what the Lord has laid on my heart in here today. All these secret sins, all of this sneaking and slipping and silliness, all this worm in you, don't you know there is no such thing as a secret sin to God? God knows everything. He sees all and he knows all. There is no secret sin to God. But God says, even though I've known it and I've given you guilt to try to get you to straighten this thing out and you still haven't stopped creeping, you still haven't stopped acting silly, now I'm just going to pull back the covers on this thing. And God says, I'm not doing it to try to hurt you. I'm just trying to embarrass you. So that you would repent of this sin and get this thing straight. And I just believe if I let everybody else know what's going on, you'll burn in your shame and repent of your sin. That's enough for today, y'all. That's, y'all can't handle no more. I got some more. Y'all just, Jesus told his disciple, much more things I would tell unto you and share with you. You just can't handle it. But I cannot close without telling us how to conquer creeping. I'm not going to let somebody creep out of here the way they creeped in here. No, we're going to conquer some creeping in here. We're going to get rid of all this silliness that goes on. How do you conquer? How do you conquer? The text says in in that seventh verse, ever learning, never coming into the knowledge of the truth. Verse 8 says they resist the truth. So if you want to know what got you in the house was the lust and the lies, but what'll get you out of the house is the truth. And y'all know who the truth is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You hook up with Jesus Christ. He can help you to conquer your creeping and your silly. I wish I had somebody listening to me today. Truth. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth. Truth shall make you free. See, the devil destroys through lies, but God is the one who develops through the truth. Not only the truth, we got to recognize and respond to the truth, but then there needs to be some confessing. You cannot conquer creeping till you confess your sin. See, what we like to do is cover our sin. We like to hide it. We cover it up with form and fashion of religion. We cover it up by carrying big Bibles and crosses and bumper stickers. God is my co-pilot. We cover it up by talking all the church lingo. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ain't he able? Woke me up this morning. Cover The Bible says that he that covereth his sin. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh shall find mercy. Confess sin, because if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sin, then he'll cleanse us from all. I dare you to confess your sin. Tell God, God, I know I've been a creep, but I'm sorry for my creeping. Tell God, I know I've been silly, but I'm sorry for my silliness. I confess my sin. And you know what happens when you confess? then God covers you see it's all right to cover but we keep covering with the wrong stuff when you confess to the Lord the Lord covers you with the blood of Jesus that's what justification is all about when I tell God I'm sorry God I know I messed up I agree with you God I've done some things I shouldn't have done I call it what you call it creeping and silliness but I'm sorry you know what God to do he takes the blood of Jesus Oh, I wish I had somebody that understood justification. Then he covers me. Oh, hallelujah to his name. Isn't it good to know God will cover you? With the blood of Jesus. Now let me show you what happens when God covers you. Because every time I get ready to preach the gospel. See, I sit in this chair right here. And it's it's my time to preach the gospel. Choirs on their last song. I'm getting ready to preach trying to get my last thoughts together. Then the devil creeps in my mind. Says, Jeffrey Johnson, you getting ready to preach? Like, yeah, I'm getting ready to preach. Then the devil starts running these reruns in my mind. Don't you remember you did this? Don't you remember you went there? Don't you remember you said that? Don't you remember you treated so-and-so like this? And I'm sitting there and all that stuff is messing with me. But then God speaks to me. God says, boy, you better get up to preach. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I know what you said. But you got to recognize you've been. And it would be silly of me to stay in that seat when I've been covered by the blood. But not only will the blood cover you and justify you, but the blood will sanctify you. Well, what does it mean to be sanctified? That means when I'm covered, the blood of Jesus gets under the covering, takes out my creeping, and takes out my deceit, and takes out my lying, and takes out my silliness, and takes out my craziness. Won't he wash you? Won't he cleanse you? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many of you know what it means to be cleansed by Jesus? Want the blood of Jesus? Won't he wash it? Won't he cleanse it? Won't he give you another chance? Can you say yeah? yes? Yes! Yes! Talk about me as much as you please but I've been covered hey 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 covered by the blood won't he forgive you won't he forgive you won't he forgive you won't he give you another chance won't he wash you I'm talking about somebody that's messed up maybe y'all ain't never been to the wrong place Maybe y'all ain't never said the wrong stuff. Maybe none of y'all ever been creeping. Maybe none of y'all ever been silly, but if you've messed up and you've trusted Jesus, won't he wash you? Oh, I know I got some folk who don't mind telling the truth, who don't mind testifying in here. Won't he wash you? Oh no, I know I got some folk in here somewhere who are not ashamed to let folk know that God has brought you from a mighty long way. Won't He wash you? Won't He cleanse you? Can you say yes? Hallelujah! Oh, thank you today, Lord. Thank you today, Lord.